0: you're listening to an mpavilion podcast conversations about design and the world we live in for more visit our archive at mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts
1: My name is Lee Abernethy, I'm from Left Bank Co, and I'm gonna be the moderator tonight. Um, and I'll introduce you to our panel in a moment. Um, the theme that we're exploring here tonight is under one roof and how physical space, its materials and design can foster deeper communication and collaboration. Coming together in the one place and time and connecting. So in the spirit of connecting, I would like to begin by acknowledging and paying respect to the sovereign peoples of the Kulin nations on whose unceded land we are gathering. I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung and the Bunurung Boomerang peoples and pay my respects to their elders, ancestors, and young leaders. We acknowledge and honour their unbroken spiritual and cultural connection to country, This always was and always will be sacred Aboriginal land. So today, our discussion is going to be focusing on Collingwood Yards. Um, And I realise that maybe not everybody is aware of um, where Collingwood Yards is and what the uh, cultural precinct is. Um, So I will get the panel members to maybe sort of talk a little bit about that in their answers. Um, and also that we're looking at how we engage with each other and facilitate a community. I'm joined tonight by Kino Holland, the co-director of field work and the architects of Collingwood Yards. Sophie Travers, CEO of Collingwood Yards. (coughs) Sorry, Eugenia Lim, artist and Collingwood Yards tenant. And Angela Flynn, Obidjury Theatre Company, co-CEO and Collingwood Yards Tenant.
2: Excuse me. There's um, water just here, <coughs> the other side. Thank you.
1: It's that wind and all those trees trying to kill us. Um, <coughs> so my first question is to Kino. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry. <coughs> is to Kino... Um, Eugenia described in her manifesto for the project a vision for the Collingwood Yards as one of minimal interventions, precise incisions, accidents of the artistic kind, evolution and creative collisions between artists and their public. Several years on from the opening, well, almost several, 18 months, do you think you've been successful in achieving these outcomes?
3: Um, Thanks very much. I think the first question we should ask ourselves is why are we wearing this sort of clothing in December? So thanks so much to all of you for coming out um, on a day like today with terrible weather. I should also explain, uh, we need to come clean, that Eugenie and I actually married. Um, That's why we weren't socially distancing a little earlier on. (laughs) Um, So... um, Collingwood Yards, for those of you who uh, don't know the project, it's a creative precinct uh, in Collingwood on Johnson Street. Sophie is the boss of Collingwood Yards, and I think you'll probably explain it a little bit more. Um, but I guess uh, what, what I want to sort of talk about is the, a little bit about the design process, and uh, perhaps I'll start with a little anecdote, because I've been really reflecting uh, on the design process of Collingwood Yards since the pandemic. So. During the pandemic, of course, we all had to retreat into our bedrooms and living rooms and start trying to collaborate online. We're trying to use all these sort of new tools. And way back then, uh, which is sort of almost seven years ago now, I was already thinking about how uh, we could really harness uh, you know, the physical space, all being proximate in physical space, uh, to collaborate. So I was already sort of thinking about some of those themes. And a little story I want to tell you is... Uh, on the night, we found out we've been shortlisted for the competition for Collingwood Yards because we were one of 10 architects that were asked to submit a proposal. I was walking through the back streets of Collingwood. I just had a beer at the tote, and I was sort of looking for inspiration, going, you know, what's this design going to be all about? And I walked past Collingwood Yards as it, current, as it was then, which was a sort of abandoned uh, sort of set of buildings. And next to it was Magic Johnson, which is a big warehouse full of all these you know, wonderful creative businesses inside I mean, ironically, that's actually been demolished and now being replaced by a luxury hotel, uh, which will probably be called something like, you know, the Collingwood Artist or something, you know. They always name things after things they destroy these developers. Um, But in the front window, uh, I saw a friend of mine, Stuart Geddes, who those of you who might have heard of him, he's a seminal graphic designer in Melbourne. I went and knocked on the window and I was, and he was like, hey, what are you doing sort of loitering around at night? And I was like, we've just been shortlisted for this amazing project next door. And long story short, that little encounter between us uh, led to us collaborating on a book. And that book was the real backbone of our submission for the design competition. I think it was a real, one of the main reasons we actually won it. Um, but I, I mentioned that story as well because that kind of bumping into each other, that sort of happenstance, that kind of little moment can't happen on the sort of digital realm. You, you sort of, it has to happen in, di- in physical space. So it got me really thinking about how we could, you know, design Collingwood Yards, not just to be a whole collection of little individual spaces, but to really focus on the connective tissue, design in such a way that all those things that sort of don't happen uh, in the digital realm, you know, we can really encourage those things to happen. So I guess that's the thing I'm sort of most uh, proud of with Collingwood Yards, and I think it's the thing that's perhaps been most successful
1: that you started with that sort of incidental kind of interaction and that you've taken that into how the space operates itself. Um, Sophie, could you maybe elaborate on that? How incidental kind of connections in the, um, in the site sort of build upon the kind of community that you're trying to create there and that, that kind of goal of
4: um, a sustainable arts community? Sure, yeah. Hello, everybody. Um, we For those who haven't visited, the site is uh, around a big open courtyard, and I think the way that that space has been held as a very uh, open and democratic space and very underdetermined, it's very loose, that space, and it works incredibly well for meeting, meeting uh, in a almost accidental way. There's no clear line through that of how you might travel. There's no hierarchy of where you might sit or who owns which bit of the courtyard. And I think that is a very crucial piece of the architecture for this kind of chance encounter that Kino talks about and that we're trying to hold that space. So we're not um, putting in tons of signposting, don't sit here, don't park your bike, don't throw litter. Um, We're not putting in um, a great deal of furniture that locates people in any particular corners. We're not putting up uh, sponsors and boards and products and um, any kind of real visual signage to say what we expect to be done there. And I think that's really um, something that, sits across the whole of the site it's very understated and I'm really grateful for that because I think it leaves so much space for people to discover the site but also to take ownership of it and we're really trying to be a very diverse community where we have artists we have organizations we have businesses we have neighbors coming in we have visitors from interstate we're trying to accommodate a great deal of um, perspectives and a great deal of um, expectations. And the looser we can be about that, the more um, room there is for that to be something different from the run-of-the-mill um, experience. And whilst that might be a little bit loose for some who want more <laughs> signage, without a lot of people getting lost, um, there's something very um, beautiful if we can hold on to that uh, non-commercialised, non um, uh, non-condescending or um, patriarchal or or leading um, space. So I think that courtyard is for me very um, much an invitation for imagination and creativity. And that plays out in the other spaces as well. There's very it's fitted out beautifully, so it feels it feels clean and clear and light and welcoming, and um, and also slightly underdetermined. It's it's. Um, it's uh, predominantly white in colour and um, it just feels like almost like an un, a blank canvas. And we, we really love that. Um, and I think inserting in there some kind of key spaces like a cafe where um, a lot of these encounters happen while you're waiting for your coffee um, and they're not produced and they're not... Um, uh, governed by any other rule than that uh, friendliness that happens when you're, you see the same person day in and day out and maybe their dogs there or maybe um, there's somebody wearing a great sweater. Um, that kind of plays out. Um, and then I think we also have a rooftop bar that does a very nice... Um, uh, tenant reduction, so there's a real incentive to go up there for your after work drinks and that's working really nicely for that little gathering space and then a courtyard bar as well which again brings in um, a lot of people from out of the precinct but also um, provides that opportunity for people there to bring their guests and, and share hospitality in the precinct.
1: Thanks Sophie. It was, almost, it was making me think about um A Japanese architect once told, gave a a talk about how to design residentially to kind of force everyone in the house to interact with each other and that the courtyard space is almost like this kitchen that's in the centre and everyone has to pass through it at some point in order to be able to get in and out of of the whole space. And it's that sort of element of that shared connectivity and unprogrammed space that... um, really gives it a sense of um, welcome as well. Um, So Eugenia and Angela, how do you see that sense of that internalised um, viewpoint, but also the scale of the different spaces um, and how that sort of interplays with the tendencies that you have? So Eugenia is a a sole practitioner and your ability to be able to... um, you know, be inside your own studio but also have that opportunity and choice to interact with other tenants and, Angela, with, with um, the theatre group. Um, similarly, um, you know, you've moved from meat market so you've had a different experience and how that sort of informs the way you experience Collingwood Yards now.
2: Okay, I'll, I'll jump in, very gallant of me. Um, yeah, so we, um, Illbidgerie Theatre Company, um, we moved from Meat Market, um, basically because we outgrew the space there. However, um, if you want to, you know, compare the two, um, Meat Market is absolutely fantastic, and I adore that place. I love the venue itself, if you've ever been there, you know, the inside part. Um, the main difference, though, which um, I think Collingwood Yard's, you know, it it does so well, and you were talking about the courtyard, um, is the fact that at Meat Market, we were kind of... We were outward-facing and our door was on the street. So we weren't inward-facing. I honestly couldn't tell you who the other tenants were. Um, They were kind of, you know, dotted around the place. Um, A lot of solo artists um, in their studios, um, a couple of other, you know, organisations... and the difference, of course, with Collingwood Yards is that we are inward-facing towards the courtyard. Um, even though there are three... It's three buildings, isn't it, you, where Music Victoria is, but there are two main buildings where most of the tenants are. And we're on one side, we're on the we're in the Perry Street building as opposed to the Johnston Street building, which is where you've got the Keith Haring mural um, on that one. Um, and, yeah, it, it's fantastic because we face into the courtyard. We've got, you know, obviously a balcony there as well, but it just feels really nice. And and when we landed there, we've only been in there for maybe three months now. Um, we had so many tenants coming in and saying hi and welcoming us and just saying hello or, oh, you know, why you were, you know, not moved in yet because we had the space for a long time but we hadn't actually moved in yet. Um, oh, we were using it for storage when the basement flooded and, you know, all those kinds of things, um, which was... Yeah, it's a true story, right? I think it was Hope Street Radio, yeah. So, um, it's just, it's fantastic, just that feeling of community facing inwards. Um, I will say also the work that Sophie and her team do to really build that community and the support that they provide. And, you know, it's just really pragmatic things of, they have a list of um, items that you can borrow, like trestle tables, you know, so you can just, you can borrow them if you need it, if we're having an event. Um, But it's just, it's really well- designed um and what we also loved is that we went into the space and um it was empty so we've gone in and we've built it bespoke to us um there were a few things that we couldn't touch because they were heritage listed which is fine because I love that kind of stuff and it really adds to the character and we're slowly like building on it and making it our own special place but we did have pretty much an empty blank canvas that we could do whatever we wanted with, which was awesome um, so yeah so we we really loved that and we were fortunate enough to get um, a grant from Creative Victoria to help us out with the the fit out um, and a lot of stuff donated to us but it looks fantastic um, and we're so happy happy to be there um, and just the history of the place it was it was funny because we we did a project out in Mildura and Swan Hill and there was an elder that came along to one of the performances and we were talking and it turns out he actually went to school there and he was there the day when they announced that it would be closed. Sorry, there's a mosquito. I'm not just swatting my face randomly. Um, There's, he was there that day and um, this sticker doesn't work, does it? I need to stick it right here on my forehead. Um, And he said that um, on that day, um, all the students were so pissed off basically that they started chucking furniture through the windows. Um, So it was just really great to have that connection and we were like, hey, Uncle, actually, that's where our new offices are. We're in Collingwood Yards. So there's a real history um, there and, you know, we're an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander arts organisation and, you know, that area historically, um, you know, there's been a lot of history there. Um, So we're just thrilled, the location, the history, um, you know, what we can do there, the sense of community just... um, Anyway, I'm raving and I promise Sophie hasn't paid me. Um, But yeah, we we love it. And I'm not just saying that on behalf of myself. All of the staff have said that.
0: Okay, no, I think it is working. I'm just quiet. Um, I think for me, I, I love, you know, that there is always something happening around and there is this balance of being able to be kind of quite, you know, I think introvert, extrovert, when you need, when you want and when you need, you can kind of choose to engage um, or you can kind of go and focus on work, but you always know that there's, you know, there's things happening around. I like the mix of having, I guess, organisations and other artists doing very different kinds of practice. I think that, I I don't know, I think it just kind of adds to the diversity on site. And I was going to say too that... um, in terms of that idea of the incisions into the space, I think actually one of the strongest things about the design is that there is this kind of you know there 's an interface into the street, so it isn 't this kind of i think you know it still has this art deco quite a um, quite a sort of serious facade, but this entry point off Johnson Street and then the little laneway at the back with bookshops and Um, you can find your own way in there and kind of your own way around. And I like that idea that you can kind of get lost and discover new things. Um, There's a place for kind of wandering. And it isn't... I think that idea of not being overdetermined is really key because, I don't know, as an artist who's working in various cultural spaces or in lots of studios prior to this, um, it's either, you know, a kind of uh, just nothing's provided, there's no amenity, or there's kind of a very over-determined sense of the space. And I like that you can kind of make it your own. Um, And yeah, it doesn't sort of dictate what happens within, which is really good.
2: Sorry, can I just add? um one thing that I no, also no, really no, love. know. No, no? no, can no. I not? Okay, well, I'm <laughs> leaving. No, um, uh, I, I often see people just wandering around, and so my office kind of faces out, and so I'll often look up um, and see just random people just looking in windows and wandering around, and I really like that I don't know why maybe I'm an exhibitionist I'm not sure but um, I'm really really into that Um, but actually the best moment was when um, I could hear someone singing and it was it was beautiful and then I was like and I know I knew who it was and um, my mate Josh and he he came up and walked and then he stood outside my window um, and serenaded me which was beautiful Um, and he doesn't even work in Collingwood Yards he lives he works next door at Neighbourhood House, but he's always always at Collingwood Yards. Actually, f- the first time I met him, I thought he worked somewhere within Collingwood Yards because he spends so much time with his Otello and his dog and him. Um, not his dog, sorry. It's just somebody he lives with, is what he says. Um... Yeah, but I I, I love that um, you don't feel so isolated there, which is what happens sometimes in um, other places. North Melbourne's a lot quieter, but um, it's just the the design of the place invites people to kind of, you know, wander, but haphazardly, not dictated.
1: Yeah, I I love how you you've both sort of touched on that interface with the public, and. Um, there's sort of two elements to that and that's the, the, the scale at which, uh, Kino, you've designed these incisions in that streetscape that feels inviting but curious at the same time and, um, and how do you see that then playing Sophie into the way the public interacts with, with the space as well? Like similarly the idea was to be able to bring people in off the street and that that's working and, um, and that people feel there's a level of trust and security in
4: having the public come in and have a look around? Well, certainly, uh, we've only been open for 18 months and I'd say our first priority has been to, our, to um, respect and look after our tenants. So very much all our efforts today um, have really focused on ensuring that the tenants feel that they have ownership of the space first and foremost and that they have a sense of community internally before we've really... Um, fully flung open the doors to the wider community. We know we have a responsibility. Collingwood is, as Kino said, um, experiencing a lot of gentrification and change. So we're absolutely beholden to that community to be part of the community and not to be in any way turning our back. To that responsibility to be a, a public space, a community space, but we do have to get that right for the tenants first. And it is primarily a, a place for artists to work and to create, and and I think that will always be our DNA. And and so if that if that um, that just needs the focus and attention, needs a lot of listening, and it probably um, needs even more listening than normal because of COVID and the 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 great range of responses that we've all had to that. Um, It's not a a simple, um, we're all back. It's everybody's coming back at different pace, at different places than maybe where they started. So we're trying to carefully listen to our community internally before we really um, can feel secure that that's all working and then add on these other layers.
1: So do you feel like the design, that sort of the, the threshold into the street enables you to have a bit more of a balance um, between the number of people who feel confident to come in and, and having that open invitation? So it's not this massive wedge of opening out the internalised space to the whole of Collingwood, but at the same time there is this gentle invitation um, and do you feel that that's really helped support your ability to be able to manage those
4: sort of two elements at this point in time? Yes, absolutely. The architecture is key to that. It, it gives you a certain um, control over, over who's coming in for sure. But it's mostly, I think I mean that a lot I mean we're not fed square, so we're absolutely not wide open. Um, but it's, I think it's a lot about the programming and the messaging. Um, and what you're seeing and um, who you're talking to and how loud your voice is. So, that's, that's the bit that's all still to come.
1: And so, Kino taking that sort of, those observations of... That it's almost a light touch, you know, it is an adaptive reuse building. You've really kept that kind of civic quality to the built form. How is that translating into, say, your subsequent projects like um, the Kyneton project that's sort of similar but at the same time completely different?
3: Um, I could sit here for hours listening to these wonderful people say nice things about the design. I'm I'm very happy. Um, But look, every building's a prototype and I think it's been really wonderful having conversations with Sophie and her team, actually seeing how some of the ideals we had at the beginning, you know, perhaps... um, you know, maybe needing to be adjusted a bit. I think broadly it's it's working uh, well, but, um, you know, I think we're going to take the learnings from Collingwood Yards on our new project, which is the redevelopment of the Kyneton Primary School into a... Um, I've been calling it Collingwood Yards Country. Just among ourselves, it's not going to be, but it's uh, it's got a very similar sort of aspirations, but obviously in a rural uh, sort of setting. Um, I, I suppose the the reason that we made those openings in the building was that, and this was through observations and workshops I did with Eugenia and the rest of the sort of design team, was that a lot of these creative precincts are very closed to the world. Like even that example next door um, of Magic Johnson was a warehouse. It was very closed off to the street other than Stewart's window. So I suppose our aspiration was, you know, uh, broadly speaking, that the broader public could actually engage with and observe the cultural production, you know, actually invite people through so I think it's probably getting that balance right about how many people we invite in and you know how how open it is but but certainly the aspiration at the outset was that it does feel like a natural part of the broader neighborhood rather than this sort of little ghetto of artists
4: I'd be interested Angela to hear about what your sort of vision is for engaging with the First Nations community around Collingwood through the space
2: yeah um, Sophie and I were talking earlier um, about you know potential uses for the courtyard, and um, and she mentioned, oh well, Il Bidri, you know we're so busy, uh, you know no pressure. Um, but what I said in response was that um, talking with my co CEO, um, who is the artistic director, which is uh, who is Rachel Mazza, um, we were doing our planning, you know, for future years in terms of you know what kind of shows we'll produce. Um, and and what our focus is and and I, I said to her you know outside of our fancy strategic plan and you know we 've got our mission our vision yada yada all that kind of stuff um, you know really what 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 is the purpose what why are we here what why, why are we here what are we doing this for um, and she said community Um uh, and I add culture to that, community and culture, but community, um, and that is very central um, to our values of what we do at Obidjury. Um and I mentioned before that, you know, Collingwood, Fitzroy, that whole sort of area um, has a very long black history, um, a very active, long, powerful black history, and And I said to Sophie, actually, no, we'd be really keen to actually, you know, do stuff um, in the courtyard. Although, you know, the one thing that is always sticking in my head right now is that it's too bloody cold... Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm not from Melbourne originally and so this, I'm, I'm like, where's, we didn't have spring, where's summer, I'm like, ugh. Um, but anyway, the courtyard is quite protected, it's beautiful, you've got the gorgeous plane trees. Um, but yeah, we are very keen to actually activate um, that space because we are, you know, for community, we need to maintain our connection to community. We are of community. Um, So actually, if we can, you know, do some stuff in the courtyard because, um, you know, the arts and performing arts can be seen sometimes as very elitist and a little bit hard to kind of penetrate sometimes, um, you know, that's not um, our way of working. That's not um, where our You know, art comes from. You know, we come at it from a very different, um, very different uh, path than your traditional. you know, Western kind of art. So, you know, we are all about inviting them in and, you know, I'm always telling people, you know, come in and just hang out. You know, we've got space in the office. Yeah, come and hang out in the courtyard. We'll sit outside. We'll actually... um, I've noticed the staff, when the weather is nice, um, we'll actually sit outside and have their meetings outside or some of them will just go work outside in the sunshine, which is beautiful. But we do actually want community to come in and sit with us and hang out with us and interact because... I also find that the most beautiful work, the most meaningful work that can be produced happens organically. (coughs) And now I'm getting the (coughs) stuff in my throat. Um, Happens more organically, it's more, more genuine and you then get these just, beautiful works that come out that really speaks to people. Um, And it's those incidental, you know, connections that you make. And that's what we hope by having, you know, community feeling comfortable and coming in and, you know, almost reclaiming a space that some of them, you know, went to school with or went to school there um, and has been there for such a long time. And so, yeah... You know, my response to Sophie is, no, actually, we would be very keen to, to do stuff. What that is, I have no idea, um, but I'm sure we can think of something because we're a theatre company. Um, but, yeah, that idea of just making it very open um, and inviting and a place where people can hang out and where you have these beautiful organic relationships that grow, where then you get potentially, you know beautiful work that happens maybe, you know, next week, maybe in a few years' time, who knows. But, you know, you don't want to prescribe anything or set any sort of, like, strict framework, um, you know, or necessarily, you know, be driven by an outcome. Um, But you just want to have, you know, you just want community around you, basically. Yeah. Thanks, Angela. That that does
1: remind me of asking Sophie a bit more about You know, the tenancy model, I know you weren't necessarily a part of that early phase of working, that collaboration between the architects and the early um, committee, um, ensuring that the tenancy curation was a big part of being able to define the space and how it was going to operate and how you were going to develop that sense of community. Can you talk a bit more about how you feel that's, evolved as well and 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 the choices that you're making now to then move it into a future
4: maybe i'll start actually throw it back to kina to talk about the physical spaces because i think that's actually a really good starting point for who you then put in them
3: yeah so when we started we had about seven thousand square meters of completely um derelict uh space and um at the very beginning um It wasn't, I suppose, about designing the spaces, it was more working very closely with the then CEO, Marcus Westbury and his team at uh, Collingwood Yards, um, working back and forth with them about the sort of tenant mix they'd like to have and then us sort of doing test fits to see what would work. The only thing we knew from the very outset is that there'd be a very, very strong First Nations presence. That was only the main sort of umbrella idea. Um, But beyond that, it was very much about also working out what kind of tenants needed more public facing? What tenants needed more privacy? And also, the thing that was incredibly complicated—that she was working out what tenants to put in what part of the buildings based on their needs. You know, like if they were going to make a lot of noise or they needed a certain, um, you know, certain sort of treatments. Like putting PBS in the basement was a serious headache, but very worthwhile.
4: Yeah, I think. That probably I actually don't have a great deal to say because we've mostly got the original tenants from that period. Um, we've maybe done a little bit of rejigging following the pandemic. We maybe lost one or two, but mostly we're we're entirely full, and we've got a waiting list, so we don't struggle to have. Um, people interested to move in. We've actually got the challenge of being at capacity. Um, So it is that work of of, um, exploring the relationships in the community. And um, I think Eugenia has been giving us a lot of information about the artists and the artist studios. And I think that's probably an area where we've got the most to think about.
0: yeah be yeah interesting. I think it's um yeah it 's an evolution right, because I think artists have been working in their bedrooms the last couple of years, and it takes as I think was mentioned, it takes time to kind of rejoin the world. I think that um, yeah it 's an interesting mix that we have right now, and I think it 's also a really kind of wonderful opportunity because there are so many organizations within. The yards, and there's a lot of collaboration that's kind of happening organically. Um, I think the water cooler moment is maybe the microwave moment when you go and like microwave your food from home. You kind of incidentally come across people and have chats about what you're up to. I think, um, yeah, it's exciting to be part of because I feel like I think we've all mentioned, maybe, Angela, you were saying before that uh, sometimes cultural production is quite unseen, it's sort of hidden from view, and I think what's interesting about Collingwood Yards is even if you don't necessarily step inside an artist studio, you can kind of peek through the window. You know there's there's sort of something being made in there. And I think, um, I think things like the Stay Soft Market, there's so many sort of events that are happening that kind of welcome the community in. And also I notice many of the artist tenants are having stalls and there's these interesting kind of different engagements and different sort of... Uh, yeah, kind of public interfaces that are happening on, not really on their own, like kind of with some encouragement, but I think that'll continue to grow. So, yeah, it's it's exciting to see it kind of keep getting stronger, I think.
1: Do you think this um, rubbing up against each other with different practices does lead um, people to think a bit more laterally about what they can do with their
0: practice? I think so. I mean, I think it's different for every practitioner, but... I know I come, I'm really interested in collaboration and in kind of interdisciplinary collaboration. So it works for people like me. I think, um, yeah, for artists that are kind of open to experimenting and trying new things, I think it really does work. And yeah, I think the we have a monthly collaboration meeting, which is really well attended and a lot of new conversations and new relationships stem from that. And as Angela said, it might lead to something next week or, It might be a slow burn and take time, but that's something that's really special. It doesn't happen, I think, without that kind of interface. And I think the design and also, yeah, the work that Sophie and the team are doing to really engender that, um, yeah, is leading to these kinds of new relationships, which is great.
2: Yeah, we'll – sorry, we'll we'll often get um, some of the First Peoples artists uh, coming down to our office to hang out um, or some of the other, you know, First Peoples organisations, um, yeah, coming down. I mean, we knew them already, but it's just really nice to be able to have that, um, you know, it's – they're our neighbours now. They're part of the the family. They're in the house. They're our roommates, basically. I wouldn't say neighbours. They're our roommates. Um, And that's really nice, actually, where they just, you know, they can just pop down – and, and, yeah, hang out, which is, is really cool.
1: I have one more question before we put it out to the floor. Um, Eugenia, what, and this fascinates me from my own professional practice, um, that you were part of the design team, I mean, aside from the personal relationship, but having, desi- having artists... Um, at the outset of a project, I think is so important. And um, I'd love to know whether you would be considering, well, if you could reflect on that process, number one, whether you would encourage other artists to participate in something like that and whether you will undertake that at another time
0: yourself. Highly recommend. Because um, I feel that, especially with this project, it's about, you know, kind of, artistic ecology and community, and the opportunity to be involved in, you know, the design of what that looks like and the kind of realisation of it um, is pretty incredible, I think. Um, of course, we didn't know, I guess, yeah, we were throwing our hat in the ring with the design um, pitch. We didn't know if if we would um, get up, but it's amazing to have been there from the beginning to kind of try and envisage it. I I would highly recommend, because I feel that, um, and this is something that I feel strongly about anyway, that architecture is something that belongs to all of us. And so often, you know, kind of like, you know, Angela, you were saying that often, you know, performing arts or contemporary art is seen as a bit like elitist. I think the same is for architecture. And I feel that, um, you know, often those opportunities to engage and kind of envisage and spatialize are not given to many people. And those decisions are still made by developers and by um, you know behind closed doors. So I I I kind of relish the opportunity to be there and sort of you know I've had what 15 years of working really dingy artist studios and um, yeah I've you know all of that is really rich material to help with the design. I I would say. Um, So I, I definitely recommend if it's possible to kind of get in there on a team. And it has led to other projects. I mean, I think alongside this, I was already thinking about architecture and design a lot. I was um, working on assemble papers, so kind of already thinking about these things. But I then went on to kind of become a client designer too, because I did my project, The Australian Ugliness, which is, um, I guess, a installation work that's kind of looking at these ideas of democracy and architecture. Um, so yeah, I kind of got to be on then the other side and realise just how hard architecture is. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's challenging. But um, yeah, I I would definitely recommend. And so yeah, I, yeah, next time put my hand up again.
2: Sorry, uh, give me a microphone and I start chatting. You can't stop me. Um, <laughs> no, I just wanted I'm to, have to tackle you. Can I? Like, can no. I? Can I? No. No, no, of course, of course. Um, I just want to pick up on your thread of democracy. Of architecture because we, um, we had a you know a pre meeting last week where um, Kino put on a magnificent spread of food by the way, if you ever need to, um, <laughs> someone to do your catering or host a party, I recommend him um, but one of my first questions to Kino um, I was just sort of thinking about i mean it 's not exactly the same, but it 's an arts precinct um, but we, we I asked him a question about the shed in New York, um, which i don 't know if any of you know about it 's this um, uh, arts new art centre, relatively new art centre, um, the High Line in New York. It's got this, like, what is it, a shell type thing that kind of moves on tracks and what... Anyway, um, it's... But what I've been reading about is all the problems that keep happening with, with this space. And um, and I ask, you Kino, like, you know, do you think that's a case of something that's been over-architectured and over-engineered? And, you know, is it... Just, you know, excuse my language, just a little bit wanky, to be frank. Um, whereas you have something like, you know, Collingwood Yards where you can see the the architecture um, that is there and the intent, but it's not intimidating and it's not um, inaccessible and it's not over-complicated or over-architectured. And it just feels very natural and organic. You don't think about it. You just enjoy being there and you just go about your business. Um, and it has just felt very natural for all of us, certainly for me, um, yeah, to come into the place and just enjoy it because it is, I think, um, you know, beautifully designed, but it's democratic, you know, democratic architecture.
3: Thank you so much, uh, Angela, it's so nice to hear that. And look, I mean, I think those of you who haven't seen The Shed, it's really worth Googling it because I think it sits in such stark contrast to what Collingwood Yards is about. I mean, Collingwood Yards is, well, if you go back to the shed, the shed is a case of where architects think if they create this ultra dynamic, ultra complicated, ultra sort of moving part sort of building, it's gonna somehow lead to very dynamic art. That's the first problem. The second problem is actually it's in a very problematic, very contested area called the Hudson Yards. It's one of the biggest private developments ever in New York. And I actually think that, that the shed is kind of this physical embodiment of, I kind of get all critical of late capitalism right now, but the truth about it is it's a means, really, for private equity to extract value and social capital from um, the artistic production, the cultural production that happens in there. Whereas the truth about it is that Collingwood Yards is a genuine, wonderful piece of community infrastructure. There's no extractive economy happening there. There's no extraction of the culture. So uh, it's nice to bring that up as a complete diametric opposite contrast to Collingwood Yards.
1: Last word, Sophie. (laughs) Okay. We're going to open it to the floor if anyone has a question. For anyone, put your hand up and the microphone will come to you.
0: Um, Thanks for that. That was really interesting. Just a quick question. Um, Kino, I was curious to know in terms of the role of um, the architect in a project like Collingwood Yards, is the role now complete or is there an opportunity for the architect to continue playing a
3: role? Um, Sophie and her team probably wish it was complete because I've been hanging around a bit like a. No, we've, we've, been, we've continued to, uh, uh, I suppose, provide advice and where we've been able to, a bit of assistance. And we, we still, it was such a labor of love for us, Collingwood Yards. And, and for the, I should also say from an authorship point of view, it's a really broad design team, not just Eugenia, but we had, you know, Simone Bliss from SBLA Landscape, wonderful landscapers, the builders. I mean, everyone through the whole process was just, it was such a labor of love. Um, that we are all still incredibly attached to it. And I also really would like it to be an opportunity for us to continue to learn because I mentioned it's, it's a prototype and we are doing a second one now in Kyneton. And so I hope that you know, our role ongoing is to still provide some assistance where we can, but also really to learn from that prototype so we can do better next time.
4: Yeah, I would really second that. I think uh, Kino's a fantastic partner to have in this conversation about how do we make it work. And uh, we have a lot of... uh, We still have some capital investment to do. Actually, our courtyard isn't wheelchair accessible, so we've got a big project there to to surface that, and that's a conversation we absolutely need to have with our architects. Um, But we've also got little bits of... uh, um, Maybe it's not... Furniture, but little other increased sort of interventions into the site to help with collaboration. Things like you know, really simple things like benches along where the studios um, are. Um, we find that there's a there's a beautiful bench outside some of the organizations on one level that's serving as such a centralizing point for conversation. And we would like to put more of that around the site, more of those little Um, interventions, so I feel like the conversation will run and run as we learn, because we're learning a lot I mean, it's a great privilege to have Eugenia as our tenant, to give us that feedback from somebody who was there prior, now during and and giving us that real experience of what it is to be a tenant there and Angela, you can see how much there is for us to learn from engaging with this kind of conversation so I I think we're all in it for the long haul, I hate to tell you Kino but... (laughs) There's no escape. I know where you are now as well, just down the road in Collingwood. So,
3: <laughs> thanks, Sophie. I should mention as well that we had such a limited budget that, and we had a lot of dreams at the beginning. That there's actually a lot of things we designed that were never built. So lots of these small interventions, and we had all these sort of um, bigger visions as well. We only had $11 million, which sounds like a lot of money, but actually doesn't go that far when it comes to these sort of adaptive reuses. So there's lots more things that we could add.
1: So you're up to stage twenty-seven, yeah. <laughs> Is there another
4: question? No. Oh, it's freezing. So maybe
1: yeah, <laughs> finished. <laughs> it's gotten very cold up here. <laughs> if there's no more questions, um, I think I might uh, close it out and thank you all so much for coming and providing your insights and and to the audience. For um, participating here tonight. Um, so, yeah, if we can thank everybody on the stage, that would be wonderful.
0: You're listening to an M Pavilion podcast conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.